Hey everybody, just jumping on here to do sort of like a year-end um, sort of thing. So see if anyone pops in to uh, chat on the uh, the thing. And <clears throat> hey everybody, how's it going? Just doing sort of a goodbye to 2021 and. Um, See what happens for 2022. My fucking fridge is so loud. How are you guys doing? What's up, Michael? And I'm going to give you guys a sneak peek to uh, the season three theme music. Welcome to Photography Chat with Merlin. Photography Chat with Merlin. Yeah, welcome to the Photography Chat. I don't have a guest tonight. Um, just, uh, you know killing time before the end of the year so if either of you want to uh jump on the chat for a minute you're more than welcome let's see who's in here i am pulled john in Let's go with Michael. Hey, Sarah. What's up, big guy? Hey, how's it going? Oh, you know, just living the dream. Yeah, same here. Uh, quite exhausted. Uh, got back from the shop and just taking it easy and seeing what's happening on uh, Instagram. How are things going at the shop? Um, it was a little bit of a quiet Christmas, but, um, good getting organized, uh, planning on extending the uh, retail space by about 40 feet. So, um, if it stays quiet, that will be my objective to complete. Oh shit. That's exciting. So where are you going to get that space from? Uh, currently the first floor, uh, behind the retail space right now is, um, uh, like a framing section, uh, laminator, and like a vacuum press uh, location. Um, so we just have to push all the machines, um, you know, further towards the lab. So we got plenty of space to take up. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been keeping uh, like fairly busy, even though the the Christmas was quiet. Yeah, I got plenty of do to do, a lot of cameras to sort through. Um, even since uh, Reno, still going through uh, all of those cameras from uh, however long it's been since I was on your live chat. Uh, so. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Because you, you, were, you were doing the live from the um, 
Penske truck. <laughs> yeah, that was right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, next uh, big purchase I have coming up is a super exotic uh, Nikon glass. Um, there's a gentleman that stopped in my shop uh, a couple days ago, and uh, he has, uh, if you ever heard, it's a, a Nikon 300 millimeter F2. No, I've never heard of one of those. Uh, it has a, it's called the Toshigi mount, uh, which uh, is basically you can set it up for like an airy um, instead of a Nikon. So it's a very limited production. I think there's only about uh, 23 of them made uh, worldwide. Oh shit! So it's a cinema lens then. Yeah, it's a big giant cinema lens, and uh, a lot of other oddballs like a Nikon Titan uh, F3Ts, FM2T. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. Eight millimeter, uh, a UV micro Nikkor, um, another knock Nikkor. So it, it's crazy stuff. So I might do a live chat uh, or a live feed when I'm down there. Sorry, I, I feel like Dan is joining us from a bar right now, and he's like, "I'm drunk as hell." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, so how'd you get hooked up with that? Uh, just a gentleman. Uh, uh, we got published in like the local newspaper, and I'm not sure how far it spread, and he caught wind of it. Um, and he's parting ways with his collection after many decades. Um, and so, you know, he's at this moment ready to let loose and, I guess, move on to other hobbies. Shit. Well, I mean, that's good for you. Yeah, but it's going to be expensive. Um, you know, he had like uh, the 300 millimeters, 400 millimeter, 500, 600, uh, and 800 and 1200 millimeter lenses. So um, it's going to be a lot of bazookas. <laughs> so are you just going to resell them or do you have plans for them? Um, there was a small part of me that wanted to do rentals. So I might do rentals on all the film cameras that I have. Um which, you know, it's going to be a major undertaking, but roughly around uh, 10,000 film cameras uh, and about 8,000 lenses. Holy shit, man. Uh, John says that he also has a large consignment of Nikon film gear that is about to hit his shop as well. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Dang. Do you think there's like um, there'd be enough interest for rentals uh, out there? Um, it's kind of a, a mixed bag because a lot of people are using this uh, vintage glass for uh, cine, uh, you know, uh, adapting them. And uh, uh, it's amazing some of these lenses of what they're going for right now. Uh, like I just sold a 21 millimeter F2 Zuiko lens. Uh, they've gone through the roof. Um, I think uh, on average they're selling for around four thousand dollars. Jesus. And before that, it was, you know, half that. Uh, I think some people are even asking on upwards of $6,000. Um, and then you have all the FD glass. And uh, so these ones are, you know, the lenses you don't see too often or people want to try out but don't have the budget for. Uh, I, I think that's going to become more of a... Of a uh, a reality you know people are want to play around with these items like they want to get them a mia six but they don't want to 
pitch the money for it and then they could take it for the weekend or take it on vacation and and uh you know not have to be married to it yeah the mamias are going for crazy money yeah uh the one i just got is a uh a 645 AFD um, and just by chance I had a, a digital back for it so I'll probably start to play around with that tomorrow oh it came with a digital back or you just had one in stock I just had one I didn't have a camera so I was like perfect match um, but it's an older um, Seamost I think it's called Seamost back uh, leaf back okay. um, so ancient doesn't even have a LCD screen on the back um, oh, is it one? Do you have to like plug it into a computer to like have it dump? Yeah, it would be like a Ethernet uh, connection. Uh, so you'd have to do a direct inline connect, which you know you're probably talking like 2004, uh, 2006 era um, of uh, technology. That's wild. I mean, the, the older ones I remember, they were like just, I, uh, they were SCSI interfaces. So you had to like plug it straight into a computer and you could only like fire it with a computer. Oh, yeah. It's maybe not Ethernet cable, maybe Firewire or something like that. Uh, but it very bizarre. Uh, so if tomorrow's quiet, I might take that and uh, also have like the Hasselblads. Um, uh, I picked up a, a large quantity of Hasselblads and. Um, I think there was about 15 of them, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they had digital backs, which were the phase one, uh, P21 and P25s. Uh, so I'll just nerd out tomorrow if it's quiet. <laughs> well, that sounds like a way to spend, uh, the, the last day of, uh, of the year. Yeah. It's either that or, you know, people are just going to be buying Portra, you know, cause it's the last <laughs> portrait you have you bucks. have some portrait oh, i have lots of it i've uh, probably maybe 400 rolls of uh 35 and in 120 uh i think Holy maybe shit. 100 100 rolls do you keep it in a vault <laughs> no no at like at the shop it's a, a, a backstop that has a whole bunch of film i have two fridges full of film and um, I have all of the, uh, you know, Ultramax and gold and, you know, more of the uh, consumer grade stuff that will become professional prices 2022. Yeah. What, like, how much is the price hike going to be? Like, have they given you notice of it or? Uh, roughly about 20%. Um, Jesus Christ. And that's global. Uh, which you figure if it's $65 now, you're going to add another $13 on top. And most people will probably just kick it to about, um, what is that, $80 uh, pro pack. Fuck. American. American, yeah. So, if it, yeah, so that's going to be like 100 bucks for a fucking pro pack of Portra in Canadian. Yeah, yeah. It's. Jesus. They released pricing. I'm actually waiting for my supplier to to give me an update on what it really looks like, but uh, word on the street is 20%. Well, I guess it shows the last time I bought a pro pack of Portra, it cost me like $58 Canadian. So it's, it's been a minute. (laughs) 
Well, that's a good thing. It's a, at least that's that's a great price because I like even what three years ago. But that probably... that was right before the last price hike. Yeah. So like I haven't bought I haven't bought Portrait in a while because after the price hike I was just like. It, it it gets uh intimidating um and that's also why like you know with the shop uh you know offering ten dollar dev scans like a lot of people are opting to develop their own stuff now um but you figure ten dollars a roll uh high res you know three thousand dpi um yeah it's hopefully uh people can either develop it themselves or uh, you know, go to their local labs and support them. Yeah. Um, I've been shooting more Lomography just cause, um, my, my wallet cries too much. My heart, <laughs> my heart says Kodak, but my wallet says Lomography. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I just, uh, open up a Lomography dealership as well. Because knowing that people are gonna, um, funnel, uh, away from, you know, Kodak and Fuji with these price hikes. Um, oh, did it, Fuji raise prices or just because they're killing all of their film? Yeah, well, I don't really care what Fuji does anymore. They're <laughs> setting across the board. Um, and it's kind of odd because I don't, like, I have big, massive orders into Fuji and I'm not seeing it. Um, and I don't know if that is another supply issue coming up. Uh, but... You know, it's uh other thing is like a lot of shops. I think somebody just mentioned that there's like a limit of how many rolls that you can buy. Yeah. Um, you know, I get hit up all the time. Like, where can I buy? I think I just put a post up that was like you know, last day of $65 Portra. Um, and everybody wants to buy it online on my website. And I don't want to do it because um, like I had one person at one point uh, uh, buy 500 rolls, which is 100 pro packs. And they clearly don't need that much, but they're just hoarding it and, you know, taking advantage of the market. So, yeah. uh, you know, I don't sell any film on my website and you have to call the shop. You have to go old, old school. So I, I did kind of go apeshit buying the Fuji Pro 400H when one <laughs> of the, the stores here had a bunch of um, the 120 and they weren't limiting what you could buy. Like I didn't go super crazy, but I did spend a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, and then it it burns up really fast because I'm using it in a GW six ninety most of the time, and um, you know, eight shots at a time is not cheap. <laughs> oh, and it, it's yeah. Once you go that wide angle, a lot of people have been asking for that camera, and I think it's kind of dried up. Uh, so we'll probably see price increases on them as well. It's a great camera. I, I absolutely oh, love it. They don't stick around long. Um, I just, I think I just had somebody ask me for one today, and I'll get them. But they're, you know, starting to uh, spike. And I'm actually surprised yet now that the uh, the Barnack, the like a Barnack bodies haven't taken off yet. Um, I haven't seen Barnacks going for really cheap. Yeah, they they jump around. Like in the U.S., it's um, I guess three hundred dollars uh, onwards. You know, it's about a thousand, depending on the lens that it has on it, and um, they're creeping up to a hundred-year-old camera. Uh, and especially for Leica, how many people own a hundred-year-old Leica? Um, I'll have one in twenty twenty-five, um, but that's the closest I have. Oh, you've got one like on deck that's going to be coming in. 
I, uh, I have it in the top right now. It's um, serial number 726, which is um, right outside of the um, prototype production numbers. Oh, so you say in 2025 it'll be turning 100. Yes. Okay. That's crazy to think, though. But figure Leica has been mainly in production from 1923, 1924 um, on. Uh, so... It'll be nice to say that I have one. Um, I just have to make it there. It'll make it, I'm sure. And it's, it shoots like it was made yesterday, which is awesome. And, uh, um, but yeah, there's there's a, a lot of things going on that I've been reading. Uh, you know, the price hikes uh, is unfortunate, but um, I think there's going to be new stuff coming in or going on with... Uh, um, archiving uh, negatives and stuff. Um, something that's a little bit more digital and a little bit more hands-on outside of just like copy stand work. That's cool. Jeffrey says, good on you for stopping people from hoarding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's hard for everybody else. You know, everybody else wants it too. It's like, it's like toilet paper during the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> it's... A- it, it was kind of like after the first lockdown in Toronto and like all the toilet paper shit went down. Um, it was kind of funny because um, you could kind of see like when the next shit was going to hit the fan, when you would see all these people stocking up on like mad amounts of toilet paper. And you're like, is, is, this, is this wave two? Is this- <laughs> <laughs> like wait for fall and you know, the leaves from the tree. Yeah. And like, yeah, fuck it's, I I don't think we're gonna have a lockdown here in Vancouver, but um, everybody got Omicron for Christmas. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. There was a a little bit of a scare at our shop, and so I, you know, kind of took a rapid test. Which, of course, Omicron is not detected in the rapid test from what I hear. Um, and so I, I'm clear for now. But every day I've been taking rapids just for you know peace of mind. And, uh, um, but yeah, it's definitely crazy here right now. And I didn't do anything for Christmas. It was quite quiet and boring and, uh, which is not a bad thing either. Uh, somebody says, does someone know where I can get my Rolleiflex T repaired? Yeah. Uh, we do the re- that repair. Um, right now I have three of them on the repair bench. There's also a dude asking about Alpa cameras. Alpa repair or or just Alpa cameras, I think, to purchase. Yeah, I have uh, two Alpas at the shop. Uh, I have an Alpa nine D. I think it's on the website uh, retrophoto reading or retrophotoreading dot com. Um, um, I think it's Alpa nine D with a retro focus uh, on new R eleven, and then the other one is. Um, an Alpa Alnea, which is our earlier series, um, and that one has surprisingly enough an adapter uh, with a Helios lens on it. Crazy. So it's Alpa M forty two. Well, um, if if Ken's still on the chat, there you go. You can get your Alpa hookup um, at Retro Photo. Yep. <clears throat> Sorry. 
That's cool. So what? So what's new with the your live feed? I know that I heard the audio that you're doing, which is that's cool. Yeah. So for season three, I decided to um, like dump some money into the thing that makes me no money. <laughs> um, but. I had a few people being like, is there a way that you could improve the audio quality at all? Um, and I was like, well, I, I don't think so, because it's just I do it through Instagram. Um, but then a bud that's into podcasting and stuff um, put me onto this Zoom pod track device. Um, it's a little tiny um, audio interface that has like four mic inputs you can also have a USB-C audio input output which is hooked up to my iPad right now and uh, I have this like boom mic here mm-hmm. that's just like lurking in the corner of the screen you should um, get like a uh, um, what are those things like a sock oh, like the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, I, I don't think I'm cl- close enough to it but maybe it'll look me it'll make me look more professional if i uh if i get that and um the thing that's kind of cool with the pod track though is um it records audio on it so for uploading into the podcasts um i can just take audio straight out of this instead of doing that convoluted shit show that i do right now with um down like stealing my Instagram videos from Instagram and then uploading that into YouTube and then extracting an MP3 from that, which is how I've uploaded all the podcasts so far. Um, yeah. So this will streamline that part a little bit, but then it also has sound pads, so I can I can do that intro track that I played and then could also do like. <laughs> That's awesome. Or, <laughs> It's the little things. Sizer on it or whatever. Uh, It's just like a little, uh, it's just got four sound pads and you can program sounds into it. Oh, nice. Um, Which is pretty cool. Um, So, yeah, I picked that up and then also got a couple of these little, um, these little Rode wireless microphone things. Oh, yeah. These are pretty cool for um, you know, just being on the go kind of thing. And so I've got two of those because I have a guest that I'm going to be interviewing live. And so when I do the chat with him, we can be both mic'd up and, and have good audio for that. So Do we, do we know the live person? <coughs> oh, sorry. Excuse me. Um, his, his name is Henry Robodeau. Mm-hmm. And uh, Henry is a photographer f- from the Vancouver area. And uh, he's been shooting for uh, just decades. Uh, he used to be homies with Fred Herzog and uh, Robert Frank and, uh, you know, those, those kind of guys. Oh, that's awesome. And he taught photography at Emily Carr uh, for several years i think from like the late 80s early 90s until uh 2015 he was uh, one of the photography teachers there he's a really interesting cat um take uh, big head taco introduced me to him and uh we've become uh we've become good pals and uh was supposed to do the interview with him a couple weeks ago 
um, right around my birthday, but I was feeling sick and yeah. thought I might have had the Rona. So um, canceled that, went and got a, a test, and uh, then isolated at home until I got my test results, which luckily were negative, but still um, sucked. It was just a really bad cold, um, which I understand have been going around a lot. So yeah, that's part of what's new for next year. And then I'm also uh, getting a studio space. Um, yeah, there's, um, an old motel here in Vancouver that is, uh, been shut down, but, um, there's a group that talks to you property developers that have these like properties that they've purchased that, um, are slated to be destroyed, but you know, because of waiting for certain things and permits, things like that, um, they're not going to go away immediately. So like a lot of these development projects, you just see these buildings languishing for years. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so this group has talked to the property developers that bought this old uh, motel here in Vancouver and um, leased the property from them and they're turning it into an artist's lodge. So um, it's like 70 units I think they have in there that yeah. are available and the rent is like super reasonable. Um, so I get the keys for that tomorrow and oh, well, congrats. Then, yeah. Thanks. And then, then is the long, uh, well, I feel like it's going to be a bit of a long process because I'm going to be doing it by myself because, um, you know, thanks Omicron. Um, but I got to rip the carpet out of it and kind of oh, see yeah. that if that carpet could speak, I'd probably rip my ears off. <laughs> um, so yeah, I want to rip the carpet out, just paint everything white, floors, walls, everything white, um, build in some backdrop stuff there. And, um, then I want to build a, uh, a dark room in the bathroom. So build something. I, I'm not allowed to take the tub out, but I can build on top of it. So yeah. just going to build something there to set up my enlarger and have a couple of dev trays and, uh. Yeah, so that'll probably be where, once I get it all, like, torn apart and painted and built up and shit, that'll probably be where I'll do uh, my chat. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hey, it's definitely hard, and it's, uh, you know, it's great that you have the opportunity to take advantage of it. Yeah, it'll be nice. And it's like, I live in a basement studio apartment right now, and I work from home, so it's... Um, starting to feel a little bit like a cell at times so yeah it'll be nice to have another space i could go and uh fuck off to when uh the walls start closing in here yeah no, i i get that feeling yeah you know, i think during uh uh the pandemic and lockdown here or whatever it was i don't know maybe three months or whatever that we were in lockdown uh which was shitty but it gave me the time to list all those camera parts at camera center of york's website which i looked at it today and i'm like how the hell did i sit there for so long and like you know go through the details day in and day out but because uh, covid yeah it just <laughs> did that i wouldn't regularly do so yeah it's um it's given us so much and it's taken so much away <laughs> yeah 
Like I was really hoping to be able to go to Policon Bay Area in March, and uh, I do not think that is um, that's going to be a thing. Well, for at me le- at least. At least I guess you know, Canada opened up the borders briefly. You know. That's well, and, and the borders are still open, so they haven't closed the borders down. But they went from requiring a negative test within 72 hours to requiring it within 24 hours. And when I looked at what it would cost on both sides of the trip to get a guaranteed test in that time frame, um, it was almost as much as I was going to spend on the flights and... Um, my uh, hostel stay like it was a couple hundred bucks shy of that and i was just like holy shit like (laughs) i can't it's not economically feasible to make the trip if that's what it's gonna fucking cost like yeah then make it easy uh no it doesn't like you know at at least within the country you guys don't have those those limitations so it's like you know all the polo pals will be able to make their way to san francisco but Coming over yeah. the border is just not. I think the only that I think the only state that uh, um, I guess requires a very strict testing. I think is Hawaii, just due to you get stuck on an island with a bunch of COVID cases. It's like a petri dish, you know. Yeah, well, and you know, you te- you're flying into like you know, it's still in the U.S., but like it, you know, you're technically flying into another country because it's a completely right. different landmass. Yeah. So they're like get away from this <laughs> especially with like the transmission rate of this like fucking new asshole on the block like holy shit yeah, yeah. well i'm still amazed even at the shop like people coming in and they're like like it's a choice to wear a mask like uh oh, it's, it's still a choice there some so, people just they're not wearing it and i have like a, a stack of masks you know at the front door like, if you refuse to, like, wear a mask, you don't come in, you know. Just, I respect the customer. I respect my family, too. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of Well, and, and I mean, like, that's that's really what it boils down to is just respecting other people. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a, it, I don't even have the, the right word for it, but it's just, it's been disheartening to see how easy it is for so many people to not give a shit about people in general. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Have Have you watched that, um, Netflix movie, Don't Look Up Yet? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> I'll have to. It's, it's a good one, but it's also, um, it's a little too real. And, um, yeah, like they really, they really nailed it with just like human behavior and, and all of that. Um, and yeah, it was, the actors were fantastic. Like, you know, the, the, the writing and the acting was, uh, it was great. Like you'll, you'll enjoy it, <clears throat> but you'll also be like, Ooh, people, what the fuck? <laughs> well, that- it's, it's bizarre because, like, you think about, like, um, at least here in the States, like, individuals would have the choice to get, like, the flu vaccine. And they have them at CVS, and people would go willy-nilly, just go get the freaking vaccine, um, you know, before COVID. Uh, and now, because people are saying you should get, you know, the COVID vaccine, 
it's like we're taking all their rights away. And it's, you know, in reality, all these vaccines, these uh, um, boosters and stuff that we would take, you know, as, you know, younger adults, um, it was it was a, a choice, but nobody felt violated. And now that actual thing, it's they feel like their rights are being taken away, which is utter bullshit. Well, and, and like some of them were a choice for sure, but I, I, I don't know what it was like in the States, but like when I was a kid... <clears throat> there were a ton of mandatory vaccines that we had to get if we wanted to be in public school and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, you know, I don't remember any of it because I was too young to consent to that, but my parents signed off and all that stuff. And like, you know, most people of my vintage have like a vaccination history of, of that kind of stuff where it's just like to be in that place, you had to do these things. That was just how it worked. And now people are like, oh, my God, no. (laughs) It's no, it's just that something more real and more. And uh, I think a lot of people, um, you know, family members, you know, people that got COVID, uh, the ones that didn't get vaccinated or the ones that got more sick, uh, you know, that showed the worst of it and weren't believers and are now believers because it sucks so bad for them. Um, and, uh, unfortunate reality, um, well, it's an unfortunate reality. And like, that's something that's also been driving me crazy with, with the Omicron stuff is like, you know, those initial reports from South Africa that it's milder people like, Oh, it's milder. So it's not as big of a deal. And it's like, Oh, even though it's milder. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. But it's way more infectious. So even though it's milder, you're going to end up with more people getting sick, which most of them are going to make their way to a hospital because, you know, a lot of us are big babies when we get sick. Um, Uh, So, yeah. (laughs) So it's like, that's even worse than Delta because like now you're having like four or five times more people possibly going into hospitals, clogging it up, which is going to put things at risk for, what if there's a bad car accident in, in the area that you live in or someone has a heart attack or, you know, in the States, school shootings or whatever, like, you know, that that's less hospital beds for um, serious things that are not preventable because, like, no one can be like, I don't want to get in an accident take because I don't want to take up a hospital bed or it's like, you know, I, I don't want to have a heart attack today because I feel like, you know, that would just be a, a, a bane on the, uh, the, the healthcare system. Versus like, you know, I'm not going to get the shot because um, I don't know what they put in it. But, you know, pass those that plate of drugs over there because, you know, I want to well, forget this whole COVID thing. <laughs> well, and that's and that's the thing with the states is, you know, because we have to pay for our insurance and all that stuff. I think what Canada, Canada's taken care of, right? Yeah, so <clears throat> it's a universal health care system. Right. Uh, whereas like, yeah, you know, we could go to the... The hospitals, we don't necessarily get, like, nabbed for a bill and whatnot with it. Um, But sometimes it's not as quick. Like, you know, down there, if you have money, you have health care, and you can get that kind of stuff. Here, it's like there are private options that are really expensive for people that have the money, but, you know, everyone else uses public health care, and it's like a get-in-line system. Like, everyone's the same. No one's more special than the other, so it's like you have to go wait in a queue and you know, in, during one of the waves when it was really bad um, in Kamloops, which is where I, I lived for a while and where most of my family lives, 
Um, they had people like dying in the lineups for emergency because they were waiting like, you know, tens of hours just in triage before they could even get in. And they were just like, you know, dying in the wait line. Well, and as backwards as that is, it's like, okay, well, if you clearly have COVID and you're waiting in line with the, all, everybody else, sure as hell, everybody else around you is going to get it because you're standing next to them. It's like, yeah. you know, uh, you think about like the Ebola scare and all that stuff where like, you know, they would walk into like a, a shower basically with hazmat suits. Um, you know, it's, there's a different step and a different process with this, which of course that's a little bit extreme due to the mortality rate, but, um, you know, with, uh, with what, um, you know, different healthcare systems it becoming political, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think it's, uh, everybody's duty to get vaccinated uh, in my, uh, of course there's, you know, different go into detail and, um, you know, sometimes it's medical related and sometimes it's just by choice or by personal choice. And, I think that's great, but the more people that don't get vaccinated, the more that this sticks around and it's becoming an endemic, which is just like the common flu, which was a stem off of it. Well, and like, it's interesting too, where it's like, they're, they're finding that COVID, not only COVID, but the pandemic, but so both COVID and the pandemic are making all of us stupider. It's, it's create like, if you get, covid um it can create brain fog and then that like you know slows down your cognitive abilities but they're also finding that the pandemic (laughs) itself is causing brain fog and you know cognitive deficiencies for all of us um which is kind of a wild thing but then it makes sense when you hear these people and there's some of their fucking arguments out there where it's just like you know there's people at wall you know, why would I get the vax when all the look at the numbers and there's all these vaxxed people that are catching it. And it's just like, it, it doesn't stop it. You fucking cabbage. Like just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you are now immediately impervious to COVID. It just, you know, limits the possibility of you getting it. And then if you do get it, it minimizes how severe it will be, but it's not like, here's a magical shot that means you're like fucking good and you can go like, you know, raw dog air with total strangers and not have stress (laughs) about it. Yeah. Like it's, it's wild. And then people like, well, in the Spanish flu and they compare it to, to that and they're, they like bringing up the Spanish flu now. And it's like, well, but what a lot of them don't realize is that they didn't have the science we have today during the Spanish flu. So, um, if you got it you just died like that that was it and that was how it it worked that was how herd immunity happened was because all of the people that couldn't survive died we have a choice yeah like we have a choice there's an option you can take a thing loaded gun and it's pointed at you either take the shot and you survive or take your chances and it's like it's like um if we're playing russian roulette and um, you know, you get the vaccine. It's like Russian roulette with a revolver and only one bullet in it versus not getting the vax. It's like Russian roulette with a Glock. Like, right. you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's such a bizarre time. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody good health and, um, it's, it's, um, 
you know, the people that have taken the time to get vaccinated that are still getting, you know, either the Omicron or COVID, definitely less severe. Um, but then the people that are choosing not to get vaccinated and the ones, those are the ones that are going to the hospital. So the people that have taken the time to get their shots uh, to, out of respect for others uh, may get COVID or may have a severe uh, reaction or whatever it may be. And the beds that are then taken from the people that didn't, that weren't responsible enough, uh, people that did get the shots are now like, you know, the ones standing in line or the ones waiting for the beds and, you know, like they're doing their part. You know, I, I, I don't know it's if, if that's uh, biased. I think everybody has their own right to a bed, but. Um, yeah, everyone should have a right to a bed, but it's just if, if you if there was a way that you could not do that and you can have that bed freed up for someone that didn't have a choice um that that's something you should you should most definitely do and just with how this thing is exploding it i don't even really know how to feel about it anymore honestly because it's it's just so wild it's it's a numbing thing like it like i was thinking about this and i'm like you know the nobody's talking about the actual back end of like take the virus out of the equation. A lot of people are sitting home. They're less exercise. They're eating more junk food. What the big killer is going to be is heart attacks. You know, give it, give it like five years, 10 years, whatever it is, you know, that's going to be the shit that is, it's like when there's a, a big giant snowstorm or something like that. And like, you know, people are stuck in their house or there's, you know, they have babies, you know, like they, you know, after like, you know, the nine months go by, there's like a big wave of, you know, that type of stuff going on anyway. Um, yeah. Well, in, I think in, Oh yeah. Someone here says I have two unvaccinated employees out with COVID right now and they're both shocked that they got it. I even offered $200 for them to get vaccinated, but they wouldn't do it. That is unbelievable. Like, <clears throat> What and and like that's that's definitely a thing that that contributes to it because like fuck I've noticed that I've gained some mass during this time like I have t-shirts now that fit a little bit tighter and I was just like fuck me um, this sucks um, like that's definitely a, a a thing that we haven't even seen what's gonna come from that yet and then like you know here it's it's been. A little crazy like you know, Ontario the province that I used to live in they've stopped testing they were just like if you feel sick you probably have it just go home because what's the point in BC where I'm living right now they were just like we've reached the capacity for PCR testing if you feel sick go home you probably have it don't bother waiting in line to get a test and it's just wild how many more people are getting sick from this. And then what I'm more afraid of is not necessarily the virus, but the financial implications that we've had yet to see from the last two years going forward into however many more fucking years we have to deal with this shit. But that's what I'm more afraid of because, you know, so many people now are like overextended losing their jobs like doing whatever it takes just to survive and like that 
that worries me for like people's mental health and suicide rates and how that's going to like destroy families and 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 shit in in the years to come and uh that that's what i'm more afraid of than covid honestly it's like what the next years are going to look like yeah it's you know there's you know every day is a blessing and uh uh you know it's a it's a win every day that you're everybody's here um but you know out of respect of others you know yeah just get vaccinated <laughs> just don't you know. be a dick yeah it's yeah. it it's a uh, important for like i look at it as like you know i have a family i have a wife i have a child you know like i think about like my child playing with another kid's uh, another parent's child and if that parent is not vaccinated uh the likelihood of spread you know my my son then is inadvertently at a, a much higher risk um, because somebody's choice is not to when they have all the ability to do so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that sucks. And, but you can't let a child be so guarded and you can't, you know, hide them from the realities of, um, you know, day-to-day life. No, uh, you, you can't. So it's like, you have to try and, and protect yourself for them like that in, in BC, like the little kids still are, I, I think it's like, 12 and up can get it now. I don't know if the younger kids can get it yet, but like my niece and nephew are, they're both under 12. Yeah. So, my, <clears throat> my brother and his wife got vaxxed to protect them. Um, and then just kind of, they let them sort of do their thing. Like they were still allowed to go back to school and they don't want them to be scared of, of the world or anything like that. Um, but you know, <laughs> they ended up, my, my nephew brought COVID home from school there was there was an outbreak there and it uh, it ripped through their their whole family because he had it and needed to isolate at home but he's a little guy so he can't really take care of himself so he still needs someone to take care of himself and he's also a little bit of a plague monkey because one of the sickest times i've ever been sick was because of him when he was a baby and i visited them and he gave me some fucking death plague that like it killed me for like a week um <laughs> <laughs> so he's home sick with with the covid and he's talking to his mom and then he's like coughs right into her mouth that's it <laughs> and she she called the the health line being like i'm double vaccinated my child who has covid just coughed into my open mouth and the lady's oh. like you you have covid don't even bother getting <laughs> tested like she's like but i'm double vaxxed and she's like yeah like the vax is made to like help you with like thousands of viral loads maybe but like if he has it and he did that's like millions of viral loads that just got dumped into you so like just stay yeah. home is <laughs> the dumpster, right in the dumpster but yeah uh, <laughs> that's crazy um something like that happens but it's as simple like you think about children and like how innocent that they are you know a simple sneeze like that you figure out a classroom uh, like my, uh, my son was saying, he's like, Oh yeah. You know, one of my, uh, one of my, um, the other kids in my class, uh, he's like, I was sitting at my desk and I look over and he's puking. Like you just like full on puking and he's I'm like, okay, you probably have, you know, it's like when you're at that close contact, kids are like a giant Petri dish anyways. Um, you know, they're in the firing line and because, um, you know, there's, not much safety in the way of vaccines. Um, you know, right now in the U S they say, you know, uh, 
uh, five and older, um, you can get vaccinated, but still it's like, uh, as a parent, um, you know, there's a couple things that you got to look at where it's like, you know, do I, and that's another thing is like, do you, because your child isn't an adult, do you vaccinate them out of your own insecurities, uh, or do it's a tough call, you know, even for us, like, you know, I, I haven't gotten my son vaxxed because of the lack of detail or the lack of knowing what, um, you know, he has a whole life ahead of him. So like for me, I think they said it was like, um, uh, for any of the vaccinations now, they won't know any details until 50 years down the road. Yeah. So, you know, where I'm at, like if I make it there, I don't really give a shit, but, um, you know, for my son being five or six years old, it's, you know, it's, it's a reality. You know, he's not even like, would be considered a senior at that point. So anyway, I, yeah, it's, I it's definitely something to, to think about for sure. But, um, Oscar had a question on long exposures, five minutes or more. Um, I mean, th- there's a, there's a lot to that question because it depends on like what can what kind of camera are you using, what kind of film are you using, uh, when are you shooting? Is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Like you know, all those different variables will result in different answers to that question. Also, like I, you know, what what camera you're shooting? Are you digital or are you shooting film? Yeah, uh, you know, there's a ton of different questions and you know, with with what that format um, <coughs> off. But I, w- I would say uh, five minute long exposures, there's a way to combat that. You can do uh, density filters uh, in the, in, at nighttime. Um, if you're dealing with certain speeds of lenses, um, of course, uh, nighttime star, you know, of course, uh, what is it? A, a Canon came out. Uh, I think they call it like the 60 DA. I'm sure they have a more modern version but it was an astronomy version um, uh, camera, which would then, you know, adjust for, I guess, aberrations or whatever. Um, That's pretty cool. I never knew that. Yeah, they, I think it was called a 60DA. I think they had a 70DA, and they only make them in, like, small quantity just because of, you know, I guess the demand for it. Yeah. but yeah, long five minute exposures. It's all about just exploring, you know, your setup and exploring how, you know, the pictures turn. I would say bring a digital camera with you if you are shooting film, because that will give you a little bit of a cheat sheet to know that you're not blowing a roll. You know, five minute exposures, and you have twenty four exposures. You know, you're gonna be there a while, uh, and then to get your film back and have nothing on it would be. Yeah, it's so devastating when that happens. Yeah. yeah. Nobody so, likes that. No, no. Bring a digital camera, set it up on a tripod, you know, get a a, a, a release or a intervalometer um, that you, then you could set, you know, time exposures. Yeah. Those are definitely good points. Five minutes, though, that's, that's a long one. Yeah, it that's... You know, I think if you're shooting film, that's, you know, it's a chore. 
Um, I'm sure there's information online if you're shooting like a certain film uh, at a certain length of exposure at a certain time or a time of year. But, you know, full moon, not full moon, you know, there, there's major factors in, in, in how that comes out. Uh, I used to take pictures of like lightning storms, you know, where I would set the camera up on a tripod, a digital camera, uh, and, you know, of course, adjust my exposures to 30 second exposure. Um, you can also, um, with your lenses in manual, you could shoot them at like F16, uh, F11, uh, and that usually will hone in your, um, you know, your depth. So you're not focusing on the tree in your backyard versus the sky. Yeah, and, and I was just about to mention it, but John makes a, a, a good point. Reciprocity failure is a big thing that if you're shooting film for that long, um, you want to find out if the film you want to shoot with can can even handle that long of an exposure um, yeah. before you start getting into reciprocity failure with it. So um, definitely do your homework on, on your film if you're shooting film for those long distances. Um, if you want to... Um, if you don't know what reciprocity failure is, uh, Grainy Days had a really good video going over his uh, his sort of take on reciprocity failure, and there's tons of other um, great resources online to uh, teach you all about reciprocity failure. Yeah, no, that's definitely a valid point. I wonder if we can have more people here. Just a sec. I'm gonna try something. More for it. Okay, if you disappear, I'm sorry, but we're we're gonna see. No, it's see cool. What happens. I don't know. Maybe. Looks oh, like holy it. shit! Look at that. And now hey guys. three. How's it going? Good. <laughs> I just figured I'd take a plunge and not be so shy, uh, show my face. Uh, but yeah, I was just about to type up about the Grainy Days video, and uh, you mentioned it. So, but I, I really love uh, long exposures. That's what I've been getting into uh, since September, and uh, I just want to plug in that I personally love Pro Image 100. It works very, very well for long exposures, and it's cheap. So, to oh, sure. uh, yeah, I, I've taken quite a few. Uh, I've shared a couple as well. Um, and I think at the time I was buying pro image in September, it was like about 50 bucks Canadian, uh, a box. So, so you get five, it's like $10 a roll. Or if you have a, if you know, downtown camera, you get a discount as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And pro image is such a great film too. Like a lot of people sleep on it, but <laughs> it's, it's a really cool film. I dig pro image, but I've never done long uh, exposures with it. Yeah. I, I'm really digging it too. There's a little joke with some of the photography guys in the community that I go out with for the nighttime stuff that uh, I'm just a pro image guy now. Like that's, <laughs> if it's not pro image, I'm not shooting it. I'm a fanboy now. So, <laughs> Well, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's a great, like I remember when downtown camera first got it in, they were like one of the first uh, places to get it in North America. Like they were uh, sourcing it from Europe, I think. Cause, mm -hmm. um, it was never intended for um, for North American markets. It was made for uh, the Asian and European markets. Yeah, that's right. I think the box still has like three different languages on it as well. And it looks like it's for the European market. 
it's got pretty pictures on it too. <clears throat> yeah, when you see the photos, you think like you can take it to the studio and uh, you know do like wedding photography and stuff with it. But uh, it it is like pretty much normal film, uh, like Kodak Gold or uh, Ultramax, just a one hundred version. Um, I did. Sorry, someone had a question here. For long exposure, you'd have to shoot at low ISO. Um, not necessarily. Like you can, you can kind of use whatever ISO you want, really. Um, it all depends on what your application is and what you're trying to do. Um, you know, I when I've done nighttime stuff, I like using the the higher ISO stuff because um, you have a little bit more flexibility with it there. Um, if you're maybe doing something in bright light, lower ISO would probably be a better idea so that, um, you know, you can soak in more of that light, but, um, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to do low ISO if you're doing long exposures. Now, if you're shooting a digital camera, maybe that would be a bit better. So you'd get less noise in, in the mix there. But, um, if you're shooting film, it doesn't really matter. You just have to watch the reciprocity failure. I could agree that I could agree with that. Who doesn't love digital noise in their images? <laughs> Purple greens, lovely. Yeah, I used to do a ton of like long exposure stuff when I got my D seventy, like you know, forever ago. Um, and yeah, I'd watch out for the ISO with it because if I had it too high, then it would just be all fucking gross and staticky. <laughs> HP five. Yeah. HP five is great too. You can't go wrong with that, but I'm still a sucker for, um, T max 3200. I love that. Shit. It is really nice. On, on that one, maybe I could plug a question. Cause, um, <clears throat> I've heard from some other people just by word of mouth that it's better to shoot it at 800. Well, so I guess like, 800 is its native ISO, but um, I've tried shooting it at um, 800, and I've tried shooting it at 3200, and I've tried shooting it at 1600, and um, I always kind of like it at 3200, because um, I like it when it's a bit grainier. Um, mm. Like, that's... It, if I'm shooting T-Max, that's what I'm going for, because, like, I, I love, like, the, the graininess that you get out of it. Um, if I want something different then the, you know, look at like Tri-X or HP five or something like that. The Rolly 400 is also really good. And then, um, fuck the, uh, Paul, the Rolly Paul and Reinhold shit, um, which is 640 ISO. That stuff's really fucking awesome. Like I've been shooting a ton of that, um, that stuff, uh, cause downtown camera got a bunch of it. It's that like, um, anniversary edition. It comes in the pack of two and that's been a really cool black and white. Um, it's got a nice structure to it where it's not too grainy. Um, like it's still pretty sharp, but it's got a little bit of grain in there. So it gives you like that, that little bit of grit. Is there any film that it would compare to? I guess so. It hasn't really reminded me of anything else. Like it really, it, it has like a a look onto its own. Mm -hmm. Like it's um, I, I probably it's somewhere between like Tri-X and T-Max. It, it kind of sits in in that valley there between those two because it's like you get that really nice fine grain, 
with with triax but then like you know sometimes you get that dirty grain with <laughs> with the t-max which is what i fucking love about like doing night photography with that t-max you get the that like that's just like dirty graininess to it that just adds like so much mood to the photos for nighttime stuff um the rollies kind of in in a bit of the mix there and you can all it'll go to like on the box it says okay okay here we go so it apparently will go the latitude is 320 to 1600 but i've always shot it at uh 640 and i've i've always liked it that's the the 100th anniversary edition paul and reinhold and um it's cheap as heck like i think it's like 10 bucks roll basically um so i've definitely been shooting this over kodak the last little bit just because of the kodak tax um like i still have a lot of love for the team this is my second to last roll from i purchased the this um when they did their price hike in 2019 <laughs> that was the last time i bought kodak film <laughs> well it, it's it's i'm amazed how how they think that and i understand the price increases you know to inflation but you can't like have one year right after the other of price increases it almost starts to feel like a price gouging uh, due to the demand. Um, absolutely. It, it does feel like price gouging, price gouging for sure. Like it's, um, I don't know. Uh, and also like you look at like, uh, Kodak as a whole with like their stocks. Um, you know, there was like during the pandemic, they spiked up to like 50, $60 a share. Um, you know, because they were providing, uh, isopropyl alcohol, uh, for the pandemic when there was a shortage, That's uh, so they ended up getting like seven hundred and fifty some million dollars. Uh, their stock went through the roof, and ever since then it's been falling. Um, and even now, I think it's at like four seventy or something like that a share. Which, from sixty bucks, you know, that's that's a big difference in a short, such a short period of time. Um, so what you're saying is now's the time to buy Kodak. <laughs> uh, well, I I had it when it was a dollar ninety nine or like oh, two shit. bucks, the lowest that it ever was. And then once that grant hit. Uh, from the government it went up to like 40 50 and it was you know it was stop action on on the market so it would hit like 25 bucks and then they would freeze it on the stock market uh and then it would then jump up to like 30 bucks and 40 bucks and go through another freeze um but it could be a good time to buy it um but history has it that uh kodak likes to pump their stock um, like they were talking about doing like a cryptocurrency uh, <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> photographers. That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, they, that shit they, made me laugh when like, I heard about that. Mining, it was bizarre. And their stock went from like nothing to another spike. Uh, that was so. just some coke. There was some executive that was like doing way too much coke hanging out with a crypto bro that was like, guys, guys, I know what's going to save the company. <laughs> I find, you know, saying that I finally caved and started doing some crypto shit, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, crypto right now, weak. Uh, it's kind of 
alarm, alarming NFTs. I can't get my head wrapped around. I think I'm an old man. Uh, I think I got that shit too. It's I can't I can't wrap my head around it either. But I can't remember if it was true with the the stocks in Kodak. Like uh, under the Trump administration, they had signed kind of like, uh, hey, we're gonna give you guys some money because you guys are gonna switch some of your facilities to medical producing facilities, and then. They just kind of bailed on it, and they sold their stocks before everybody found out that they bailed on it, right? Wasn't that the story? or the, the, yeah, There was a little bit of uh, tampering uh, yeah. uh, within the knowledge of these grants coming in and going out. Well, um, the CEO was like homies with Trump too, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> there's a huge conflict of interest there. Yeah. Well, even you think during, like, COVID, it's like they had, like, a – a powwow meeting around a table and it was like CVS and Rite Aid and Walgreens and all these people that, um, you know, the CEOs of, so yeah, I'm sure Kodak was there somewhere. Uh, another interesting theory I heard, um, and it's word of mouth theory, just like talking to random film photographers was that the price of gasoline has something to do with the price of film because all plastic products are tied to crude oil and the plastic canisters that the, the rolls come in is like uh, a reason why the price of um, the manufacturing went up. So well, it's, it's just, just not, theory. it's not just the canisters either though. So like the film base itself comes from plastic. So like the, the S star film base that they create, it starts off as just little plastic pellets that they melt down and extrude in an insanely cool process. Like it's, it's kind of fucking cool to watch and it's, it's amazing when you see the the factory because it's like they just start with these raw pellets on one end and then on the other end it's the S-Star film base. It's it's kind of wild. So I can see that affecting the price. So it's like oil's going to affect cost of film for sure and cost of silver. That will also affect film as well too because, um, you know, they, they got to have silver to make the film work right. So um, that definitely has an effect on it. Um, corporate greed also would have an effect on it too. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, was that Mike? Yeah, no, definitely. You, you saw it with the grant, you know, when they got the, the government money, uh, greed from the corporate level. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, I, I think, uh, I was actually even, uh, having a conversation with somebody, um, you know, it, this might be a little off, off cuff, but, um, you know, individuals that are like, you know, vegans that, you know, don't want to kill animals and all that stuff. And also like health environment, environment, event, environmentally safe, developing your film at home and dumping it down the drain is counterproductive. Well, not only that, purchasing film is counterproductive because yep. what's in film? Right. Mook houses in film. <laughs> <laughs> like it's... Um, there, there's this funny guy that works at downtown camera, the camera store that I used to use in Toronto all the time. And, um, he would always tell me this story about how he got in a fight with a vegan that wanted vegan film. And he tried to explain to him that it's just like, it's absolutely impossible. Like they've tried. And I think there are some films out there where they have like a non-animal binder for the emulsion, but like Kodak and Fuji and in most of the big players, they experimented with it as well and just found that gelatin makes the best binder for the emulsion. And, 
you know, there's no way to cut it. You need moo cows for film. And, uh, you know, it's just a sad fact, I guess. Like, so much so that, like, PETA and Greenpeace and all those um, organizations acknowledge the fact that, you know, they were harming animals to take pictures. But to get the quality pictures they wanted, that was the price that they had to pay. So is it hypocritical? Absolutely. <laughs> it's don't harm animals, but we're going to take pictures of proof of animal harm. Right. Animals. <clears throat> yeah. Not that I have problems with vegans or anything. No, I, I same. It, it's just a, a bizarre thing. Like I, I look at it as like, you know, doing your at home developing. Most people are just dumping the shit down the drain and the silver is the, you know, even though it's so microscopic and, you have to be doing some serious volume to want to keep it, but that's all going down in the waterways, you know? Uh, yeah. Like is, it's, it's not ideal to be sending that down the waterways, but if you're doing like a couple rolls, it's not, it's not done. Super yeah. Super duper harmful. Um, at my shop, I have, I have a, a triple filtration system, you know, for the recovery. So it goes through like a, um, uh, a, rot- a rotating drum, which uh, has anodes and cathodes and electricity, um, you know, to allow it to adhere to the drum. Uh, and then once it goes through that process, then it goes through another filtration system uh, twice. And then from there, you know, there's zero silver that escapes, um, which better for my pipes, I guess. But, well, not only uh, better for your pipes, but good for your pocket, too, because you get to pocket that silver as well. Yeah, I actually was talking to a, a photographer, camera shop, and uh, they did a lot of processing. And the one guy said he had like um, maybe like 100 pounds of silver, you know, in the heyday of processing. And it was all just recovered from, uh, you know, rolls of film and paper, paper prints. Yeah, slush fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of wild. Like how, when you when you're doing volume, like I remember when um, the darkroom lab gave us a tour of their facility, they make a ton of money back on silver recovery, which is the volume that they run through there. Oh yeah, it makes complete sense. If you're doing volume, that's that's a very important thing uh, as an operating business. Um, but you know, if if there was a, a way to at home dev kit, you know, I think they have like a, like a, a steel wool, um, bucket that you could dump stuff in. And I think something, something along those lines where it actually captures the silver, then you could dump it down the drain, hmm. but it's, uh, it's something small kit, you know, I'm sure people would take advantage of it. And a, a new log said that they're sourcing some Ferrania P30 looks great on the sample photo. That is one of my favorite black and white films. Um, now, it is an unforgiving son of a bitch. So make sure you do your exposure good with it. Because <laughs> um, if you don't expose right, it sucks. And uh, But if you, if you nail it, holy shit. Like, that is... That is a really fucking gorgeous film like I, I think it has one of the highest silver contents of like any black and white film that's in production right now 
and just the contrast that you get from it when when you get your exposure right on on the shots it's stunning like just the darkest blacks i've ever seen from a black and white image and yeah like it's it is hard to describe like but when you when you see what you're like that's ferrania like you when when you know the film you're just like yeah that's definitely like a ferrania shot it's it's something else it's it's a really great film so i hope you enjoy it if you've never shot it for any other people out there um definitely recommend picking it up um if you're in canada downtown camera has it sometimes um if you're in the states um do you carry it mike i don't i'm trying to carry as much as possible but um i hope they figure out with that roly uh roly film um i think there was a guy in toronto that was carrying that and i gotta get a, a gary perry i think that used to have the show in toronto or if he still does um maybe he knows who sells it i think gary perry i think that's the, the guy that, run, that ran that show he had um some kind of in with it so and then i think in california there's an outfit as well that supplies it yeah if you want ferrania in the states i know for sure that uh freestyle carries it okay well i'll have to get it because i'm trying to carry everything um like right now i think we have like twenty thousand dollars of film on hand at all times nice um, so there won't be, you know, there's no shortage of portrait right now for me. Um, but that's also why I'm like limiting people from buying like a thousand rolls at a time. <laughs> so. That's fair. You don't, you don't need people hoarding like that. Like it's, um, that's <laughs> also why I haven't bought film in so long because I did hoard a bunch like years back and I'm sort of just trying to get through the fucking shit that I bought. <laughs> Have, have you have you ever shot the what the Scala film? Uh... So, <clears throat> yes, I have, but I've not gotten it fucking developed yet because um, I just I, I need to send it to the DR five Chrome guy, mm-hmm. and I just haven't yet. So I have two rolls of it I shot because after I did the. Um, photo workshop with jason lee in boston in 2018 he recommended the scala stuff is like his all-time favorite black and white film so i ordered a bunch of shit from freestyle um i ordered two rolls of the the scala shot them and they've just been in my fucking fridge for like what is it 2018 19 so like almost like three fucking years now so yeah. I just need to mail it to... I don't even know what's on the rolls anymore. It's been so long. But um, I know the Scala looks really fucking great because um, a bunch of his projects were shot on the uh, on the Scala. And it, it looks really good. Mm. Yeah, I have a, a couple of rolls that need to be scanned from a customer. And uh, my machine scans, uh, you know, roll film E6, but um it does not like the scala so oh crazy yeah the flat edit unfortunately have you looked at doing digital scanning over um flatbed like with the negative supply shit or anything would that be it might better 
Yeah, it might be an option. Like I'm actually even wondering, um, I ha because I also do slide mounting and stuff. I'm wondering if I mount them. Uh, will well, of course, the machine will like it more. Um, you know that they're 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 mounted. But uh, yeah, when you put it into the machine, because it you know you say it's slide. You know, it's actually looking for the negative on black and white. It it just can't comprehend the positive black and white so oh wild huh. yeah because it's looking for the colors which um it almost like tries to make it a negative uh from the positive it's so bizarre um but that's with the you know the active d lab um and uh what was it somebody said something will they make fp 100c again um no no but um what is that that three pack that they have the uh oh the one instant yeah one in i like it so there's a lot of people that poo poo on it um because they're like well it's an expired positive and you know it's really expensive and it's like yeah it is an expired positive like they they cut up um you know pieces of positive from 20 by 24 film um it is a fresh neg though and it's fresh developer that they've they've created um, and it's also all made by hand by people in the right. dark, which is why mm. it's so fucking expensive because right. it's not machine made. Like, you know, some person in Austria has to like sit in complete darkness and make that film so you can, you can shoot it. Um, I dig it. It's a great film. Um, otherwise, like if you want pack film, you can, uh, give all of your money to Brooklyn film camera whenever they find stuff boards yeah it, and the thing is it's um when an individual controls the market that's the price and they know it and that's why their prices are what they are um it's you know yeah i remember the packs being like 13 dollars a pack and um that was great but now it's like 100 bucks a pack or more um, and especially if you have the larger supply, you're going to charge whatever the hell you want and people are just going to buy it. Um, but yeah, I think the, you know, that because they are doing the film by hand, um, more power to them, you know, they're taking the opportunity, they're doing it, they're passionate about it. Um, you look at Fuji nixing the prod, you know, nixing their production. Clearly there's major demand for it. I'm just blown away by the fact that they don't. Well, so this is what I heard about why Fuji killed it. It wasn't that they weren't making money because, like, the popularity is still very much there. Like, it's there's money to be made with pack film, but there's more money in cosmetics. Mm -hmm. And what I heard from some inside stuff that it could be speculation. It could be like, you know, people talking cause they're, they're like butthurt, but this is what I heard a few years back. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a podcast from like a Policon where I talked about it a little bit and said some really mean things towards the executives in Japan, but um, they looked at how much they could make off a of pack film and how much they could make off of packaging cosmetics and there was way more money to be made in packaging cosmetics. So the plant that made pack film was converted to package cosmetics. The staff that ran that plant were retrained and put other places. 
and the equipment that was in that factory was retooled to package cosmetics instead of making pack film. Uh, <coughs> and Fuji being the dicks that they are, like, like when um, Florian wanted to buy all of the IP to try and revive pack film, they basically told him to go pound sand, which is right. why Instant is a single photo, because he's just like, well, if we can't make pack film, how can we make these cameras still work? So, like, it's expensive. The one instant is a lot of money to spend for a single shot. But I also kind of look at it as, like, it's a really amazing privilege that we can still, once the pack film is all depleted, hopefully still be able to buy the one instant to use these cameras that we love and adore, um, even if it does cost us more money to, to use them. Um, and then stuff like Newland, um I'm really curious to see how that project goes because um, that'd be cool to revive some of the pack film cameras. Like I just picked up another uh, 195 so that when the new land stuff comes out, I can have one that's just for pack film and one that's, that's got the new land back. Um, so yeah, there's like some cool shit with that, but you know, the unfortunate truth is pack film is dead. Uh, long live pack film. Well, I, looking at the idea, like, hey, like when Fuji was making the film, it was thirteen bucks. You know, now it's a hundred bucks. You, you think that I don't know about cosmetics and um, what the the problem is? They don't have the equipment anymore, right? And it's they don't have anyone that can make the equipment either like that was the same problem that florian had when he was looking at rebuilding it was they couldn't figure out how to pack the film the way that it used to be packed and that's the thing that kind of sucks with the world we live in right now is we have all these technological advancements and there's all this really cool shit that's going on like technology wise but when you look at like physical things, mechanical things, stuff like that, we've, we've taken leaps backwards in, in a lot of that stuff where it's just like things that were super basic that people could like wrap their minds around even 20 years ago don't really happen as, as much now. And so like all these people that knew how to build these machines and manage these machines and maintain them um, are either too old to work or dead. So, right. you know, that's, that's one problem. Um, and then just also the know-how to do these things. Like, it's the same reason why um, we likely won't see really cool new um, film cameras is because the ability to make shutters uh, for anything outside of the print in production right now just doesn't exist anymore. And um, it's kind of weird to think that, like, we lost that kind of um, engineering skill. You know, well, meanwhile, there's all these other advancements going on, but a lot of that shit's all kind of theoretical stuff right now. Like, you know, you look at the DevOps craze, like most of the stuff that's with DevOps is it's just all ones and zeros. Like, you know, people are building shit in virtual constructs and the circuitry that runs that stuff doesn't require a lot of heavy engineering behind it. You know, it's just how do you make it smaller? How do you like there's there's not a lot of mechanical parts anymore. Like even when you look at like, you know hard drives most of that yeah. shit's going solid state now like you know the 
amount of moving parts that are in things is, is dwindling. Like as we move towards electric cars, even the like mechanical parts that go into the vehicles we drive, those are starting to like, you know, diminish. And when you look even like the repair of cars right now, more often than not, they don't repair parts. They just exchange modules. Right. <laughs> send the modules off to get them like, you know, destroyed or recycled or whatever. So it's just like, you know, it's not an engine anymore. It's a power module. <laughs> and it's, it's weird to well, think of how our world's evolving. <clears throat> well, you, you think about like, you know, 3d printing and 3d technology, uh, you know, being able to scan these parts. Like they talk about like, you know, the gearing and all that stuff. It can, it can easily be done if you take a part uh, and a uh, Olympus uh, stylus. You can replicate a majority of the parts quite easily. Uh, but it, what it comes down to is the programming, um, um, you know, flex cables or you know the little chips, and um, you know that's <clears throat> the crazy part of these cameras. The little motors, you know, of course the motors you can pretty much buy anywhere, um, but you know those flex cables. I think somebody mentioned today that you know, there's a place in Poland that repairs a lot of like the, um, the Hexar cameras and, um, they replicate or remake the, um, the flex cables and the, you know, just like for like the mini Lux where like the error error, uh, with the, the, the lens coming in and out. I think it's like arrow two or arrow seven. I can't remember, but, uh, maybe it's a one, but, um, uh, that particular little flex cable like it doesn't make anymore people are replicating it and able to repair the camera um if you can do that on a larger scale um like i think i at the camera center of york website i think i have a whole um brand new uh stylus um like the whole circuit uh flex cable uh, that surrounds the internal of the camera you know if you could replicate that alone you can make stylus cameras with a one 3d printer. It's just each 3d printer would have to have, uh, its own, uh, you know, like one would print out 10 or 20 or 30 of the specific gear and each yeah. one would ask, um, you know, there's no need to recreate the wheel and Olympus is, you know, MIA nowadays. Um, you know well in the, like a, a point and shoot versus like a slr is totally different beasts too though so it's like i i could see a stylus being a lot easier to build because it's not as complex like there's not as many mechanical things inside of that it's like you know, it's we could probably source a lot of those parts um <clears throat> so that that seems totally reasonable but um i think like when I've talked with other people about this who've been in the industry for a while, their concerns are around um, the more mechanical parts, like you know, shutter um, mechanisms for like SLRs and stuff like that. And you know, I think the last Nikon was the last one making it with the F6, and they put that out of production in 2019. That's because they yeah. <clears throat> What's that? That's because they all started breaking. Yeah. Uh, well, and well, like you know. People can fight me about this, but the F6 is really the F200. I don't believe it's a real F camera. You know, it's it doesn't have a removable prism. It has the attachable bottom grip thing. A real F has the detachable prism, and it has the thing built into the bottom. So it's not the successor to the F5. 
the F5 is the reigning champ of the F cameras, in my well, humble opinion. <laughs> what I was thinking with, uh, uh, off topic, but what I was thinking with Kodak is how they got so much uh, shit for making a black and white disposable. Um, if they would have just made their disposable camera look like an Olympus stylus uh, that had a little sliding front, so I think they would have, you know, they wouldn't have gotten so much shit for it. Um, like mimicking what a what one would have looked like. Um, well, that or if they just made it reusable, like if if they made it reloadable, like the Lamography one is, which it probably wouldn't have cost them that much more to just like make it plastic and you could open it and put it. I think that's where a lot more of the backlash has come from with it is that it's it's a throwaway camera. Like if they had made it reusable, which they probably don't want to because they want to get that money back every time. Like they don't want to sell just one reusable camera. They want to sell someone like a disposable camera every time they want to shoot some Tri-X. And Tri-X is like some sweet, sweet film. So, of course... You know, people are going to jump on that bandwagon that is film and uh, go nuts with the disposables. And I mean, even having fancy cameras, I still like the look that a disposable will put out there. Like it's it has a distinct kind of cool look with with a disposable that you can't get if you're shooting like a proper camera. So they have their place for sure. I, uh, <clears throat> on the topic of uh, disposables, anytime I come across a disposable, like a used one, I always like get it off a garage sale and like develop the photos and see what comes out of it. Oh. And you'd be how surprised much, how much porn have you found on, on those? <laughs> <Last> one was <laughs> porn. <laughs> but it was from my mechanic. He, he, he it was from your mechanic. Oh, no. So you saw your mechanic's porn. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't warn me about it. Uh, anyway, so he changed a, a lug, uh, a stud on one of the wheels on my sister's car for me. I'm and sure he changed said, a stud in a few eight. things. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Anyways, I was going to pay him, and then he's just like, you know what, why don't you uh, develop this for me? I, I heard you're doing film photography and stuff. I've had this camera forever. I want to see what's on it. Ben says, me can dick. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know what what I'm saying is I like the idea, uh, the nostalgic feel of, of uh, uh, a pointed, uh, not a pointed shoot, sorry, a disposable gives you because like those are the cameras that you know our parents first kind of trusted us with, right? Like when we were younger, Absolutely, and maybe yeah. you know that's the first one we could take on our field trip and not worry about. Or you know when I was younger, it was always like don't touch this camera, don't touch that, and I would always ask like can I can I touch it this time? And they were like you know what Johnny. There you go. Here's a disposable. Knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah, you, you can break this one. We don't really care about this one because it's meant to go in the garbage anyway. So if you break it, it's fine. But there there is a cool, like, you know, it, there, it's like almost a little bit voyeuristic with it sometimes, like with the way the, the harsh flash is on, on some of them and stuff. And, like, there's a very different feel that you get with with them that is kind of fun. Um, yeah. That's <laughs> that's funny though. That um, yeah, Ben says covered... he sounds like a real stud himself. <laughs> no, they're they're great. Um, what I liked about um, 
So I didn't know too much about cameras when I first got into it. So somebody I worked with gave me like a box of their old cameras. And one of them was an Olympics XA, I think, you know, the kind of clamshell. Oh, yeah, thingy. those are cool. Those are cool. And I, what I really loved about that one is like the thumb thing made me think that this was a disposable camera. And I unloaded it to somebody for 20 bucks. And then later in oh, life, I no. it was actually a cool camera and you can choose the aperture and stuff. And like, cause I didn't even know what aperture was back then. I was just like, Oh, these pictures didn't show up great. I'll sell it to the, this person. <laughs> That's a shame. They yeah. go for a ton now. They do. Um, but I feel like it's a bit risky, like picking up one. Cause I, I feel like they break pretty quickly. Like you get through about 20 rolls and, you don't know like how it's gonna hold up. Uh, at least, like in my opinion, when I got the second one, that's fair. Uh, but I I love the thumb crank. Like I don't know any other cameras. Like if somebody in the chat knows another camera with a thumb crank, just for my nostalgia, let me know. <laughs> I think there's a few of them out there that have it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Oh, fuck. What is? Uh, I'm brain farting on it. I I know of one, but I can't I can't remember the name of it. Um, Jeffrey says a disposable film camera was the first camera that he took a photo with, and he'll always have memories of using them as his first camera. Yeah, they're fun. Well, I appreciate you sharing your studly story on disposable cameras. <laughs> I had to. I had to. <laughs> Yeah, I always, um, like I that's the same thing when I like go thrifting. I mean, <clears throat> it's been a couple years now since I've found a camera at a thrift store, but um I would always get the film developed cuz like, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see what kind of shit um people just left to get thrown away. Um never got anything spicy. Mostly just like it was like camping photos or family photos and it's just like who are these people? are really cool though like just seeing the little stories like on one of the rolls it was like a picnic and it was like this italian gathering and i think the first five photos didn't show because it was just like completely worn out but like in the middle of the roll the photos still came out with like a bluish hue mm. and it was just cool to see these pictures come back again jaffo um, on film says i have an olympus pen e3 half frame that has a thumb crank so there you go Half frame cameras. I don't like them. No well, offense. They're really cool. But my problem with the half frame camera is it takes me long enough to get through a roll of 36 that I bought a samurai and I was super fucking stoked to play with half frame. And then it took me like fucking months to shoot through that roll of film. And I just. I hate that camera now just because of that experience. Cause every time I look at it, I was just like, you are a torturous little devil. You, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta grab a 12 exposure roll, you know, then it's a 24. Oh yeah. But that's fair. Smart. Yeah. I, a lot of people like carrying the pictures, right? Like they take a picture and then they get closer for the next frame and then they put it together on their posts like that. So that, that's another way to think about it. Like 36 yeah. photos you have, two angles of the same subject or something like that. I could still do that with my regular camera though. Yes, just... you know. But the, like the half, the half frame is cool though. Like I do like the format of it and it was neat. I just got frustrated with my experience of it. Cause it just took me for fucking ever to blow through it. And it was just like, I mean the, the, um, 
what is it? The Samurai is a kind of cool camera, though, because it looks more like a camcorder than it does a, a camera. So people will be like, why are you making video? I'm not. It's the <laughs> 1980s all up in this shit. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it just got one. I can't remember the model. Like X, what was it? X 4.0 or 3.0 or um, it has like the little finger grip where you, you know, stick your finger through. And yeah, because you, you hold it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like everything's a diptych, not to be confused with the dick pic. Yeah, I've I've always wanted to like find out who the first gentleman that decided a dick pic would be a really good idea, who that was in, in history. And I was talking to a friend that's like researches history stuff and it was like, you know, well, it was even before pictures. People would send, like, paintings of their dicks to, like, people. <laughs> I think there's a Ian Peel skit exactly on that when they're in the ye old times and he has his servant um, sketch out a dick pic to send in the mail to the fair lady. Uh, so you could probably find that one. It's a good skit. It'll make you laugh. <laughs> ben says, dick pic daguerreotype, 1875. <laughs> It's still not a good idea. It wasn't a good idea in 1875. It's definitely not a good idea going into 2022. Um, you know, wieners are weird, man. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I feel the same way. If I were to like, get, like, a wild vag pick in, in my text message, I'd be like, whoa. What? <coughs> no. No, ma'am. Like, you know, it, it's all in, like time and context and things like that and it's just like if you're not prepared for it it's it's a jarring experience so is it 1907 Andre Stromson sent the first dick pic I don't know if these are true facts <coughs> microfish that so <clears throat> this that's a funny one meat glacier here says some guys need microfish that's a real blast from the past were you just going to say you don't know what a microfish is? I, I have a lot more, but yeah, somebody can fill me in. That'd be nice. Okay, so microfiche was a way to store large amounts of data in a very small thing before computers were a thing. So, was it in the library and you would go like kind of yeah. watch it on a projector? Okay, yeah. Yeah, you, you yeah. kind of you take the little little thing and you put it in the projector and then you kind of like move it around to find the piece of information you want. Um, yeah, I'm old enough to remember actually having to use that shit. They, they, they camera repairs, they, that was like a, a major way of showing how to repair a camera or a lens. Um, I have thousands microfiche of, uh, you know, Nikon lenses and Nikon cameras and all the exploded views. And you can, on one little four by five or four by six microfiche, you can, show a full-blown repair, you know, just by using a microfish device and go step-by-step. Step. So it was, you know, brilliant for its time. It was basically like a, a slide. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> this, this is just, the, the dick pic thing is reminding me of this, like, drunken idea that I had with a friend for a business idea, which was like, you know, <clears throat> there's all these dick pics flying around. None of them are really tasteful. It's always, like, a really awkward angle bad lighting like you know it's just fucking terrible 
Now, what if you took, like, there's, there's people that do, like, the LinkedIn profile pictures and things like that, right? What if you did that for dick pics? <laughs> you, know, you could you could go and get like you know a tasteful dick pic done that has like good lighting and it's flattering and like you, know, you get different packages where you can like have like you know different accoutrement to like decorate around and like you know really make it like fantastic and then you know for the ladies you could have like an offshoot called like bush league where it's just like you know you could you could get like really tasteful like crotch shots and um you know you could probably make a lot of money like now there's got to be a market somewhere for it yeah i've just never done it because i don't want to see that many dicks so yeah i don't know know. but yeah exactly (laughs) you could get different packages yeah absolutely Uh, you could have different packages for the packages and you could get really creative you could use like uh in vegas when they do like the the blue screen so that you could be in like different places and things like that um you know you could do that with, with like your dick could be in like Paris. It could be like over here. You could have like you know, walking your dog. You know, it's it's like the elf on the shelf. Could be holding up the yeah. leaning tower of pizza. <laughs> it could be the leaning tower of pizza. You could replace it with that. Like there's so many different things you could do. And it could just up your Tinder game a tiny little bit, you know. It just it could it could help. Cause like Instead of just like some weird awkward like yo, know, it's and you see you in the background because you didn't really get it right, and it's just you're trying to like take the shot while you're hiding from your wife because you don't want her to know that you're miserable or whatever. You know, you could just go get a professional to do it for you. <laughs> so anyone can take that idea and run with it. Um, so yeah, go for it. <laughs> I think maybe. Um... You could like if you're trying to market it, you know. Uh, I forgot what the profession is called. Esthetician, esthetician, uh, esthetician. Yeah, maybe they could market it after you get your session done. Well, so like, that was that was actually another idea with the packages, where it's like you could get a grooming package with it as well too. So they could get in there and they could like you know trim it up and manicure it so it looks all good, so it's like ready to go. You could get someone to do some makeup on there, get a little like powder on it, so it looks like all right, you know. No happy endings, just happy photos. That's it. Yeah. And, and that's like, the, that would be like the motto for the company. Like, you know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's it's upfront disclaimer before somebody signs up for a package thinking it's. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's. Yeah. The only thing you're getting out of it is photos and the potential to like, instead of terrify someone, you know, maybe just intrigue them a little bit you know it, 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 it could it could work and it could work for everyone you know everyone can get crotch pictures of different kinds in a high quality kind of way with good lighting and like you know set makeup and all that kind of stuff why not no maybe discrimination. like a, yeah what's that I, I was gonna say maybe it could be i forgot what the term is but you know those big cameras the four by fives and then they put it on the the silver plates or something tiny <laughs> <laughs> I like that someone said Boca balls. I like that one. Um, man, a tin type dick pick. Now that that lasts forever. That's, that's classy. For... <laughs> that's, see, like that's that's no longer that's you're like verging into like art at that point. Like if if you 
Like if, if someone were to like mail me a tin type dick, I would actually appreciate that. <laughs> Cuz that takes that's a lot of time and effort and resources yeah. put into well, that, the, you know. The lighting too, like the power of yeah. the light. Like when oh, they go face, you feel the lights hit you, you know, in the face when the when the flash goes off. So I guess you get some kind of result. <laughs> Someone's like what's your address? <laughs> I should get a post office box for the next season. You know what? I'm going to do that. I'll get a post office box. And, uh, you know, if you want to mail tintype dick pics, you know, check my bio in a couple of weeks and there'll be a P.O. box in there for that. And, like, you know. I can't believe uh, we've turned uh, sexting and dick pics into an analog format. Talking about this camera this came from. Yeah. (laughs) Started with the mechanic and the stud. And, uh, anyways, I, I, I enjoy the conversation and it's, uh, it's a good one, but if anyone wants to take the idea, I'm not married to it. So it's all yours. You could run with it. Um, maybe just be like, Hey, I, I watched this weird Instagram live one time and that's where I got the inspiration to like, look at wieners for the rest of my career. So it sounds like Ben's going to make a daguerreotype. I would definitely frame that if, if you were to mail that Ben. It would have to be appreciate that. In the background of like your live feed, just like a dick pic in the on the wall there. Absolutely. <laughs> um he what is the Oh, the the dude that does the big camera. Why can't I remember his fucking name? Camerdactyl. Dude, Ben, if you got Camerdactyl to do you most... one of those big ones for me, I would fucking frame that up in my studio. So if you make that happen, it'll be like the one of the main things you see when when you come into my new studio. Yeah, just a big photo of probably like I don't know whatever, just a big cock on the wall. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, a twenty by twenty four dick pic. That's some like next level shit. Why not? It'll just be in the background of every live after that. And that's how I'll get banned off of Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did I get banned? Oh, this big giant dick in the background. I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if I uh, may ask a, a non-related question, and it's not even particularly related to photography either, but I started asking this question, like, kind of like when COVID started, and it might be weird, it might not have a response right away, but I always ask people, um, especially before I sign off, because it is getting late for me in Ontario, um, what is something that made you smile in the recent past? It could be something small, it could be something big, it could be as simple as a coffee that you made. Um <clears throat> I'll start. Ironically, it is related to film. I found a roll of 200. Um, that So what I do is, like, I'll take pictures or I'll give, like, some of my pointed shoots to different people. And then um, I'll roll it back. And then in the darkness of my washroom, I'll put it in another camera and then advance the frames to the next one. So anyways, I had a roll that was half done. And I thought I had lost it because it dropped out of my pocket. Turns out it was behind the fridge when I went to clean it. <laughs> Uh, so that was my little moment of happiness I got 
in the in the recent past. So I just wanted to see if you guys had anything interesting. Uh, mine's probably pretty uh, lame uh, because uh, running my lab, uh, an individual had a completely full roll in their camera that they didn't hit the rewind button and proceeded on rewind whole film. So when I you know got the film out of the canister. Uh, there was no sprocket holes whatsoever. It was just j- just the you know the frames and negative, which I thought was when you when you reel your film back uh, and it feels like you have a fish on the line, you're definitely not doing it right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mine's not film related at all. Um, <clears throat> I watched a TikTok where this dude was farting in his office and he was like destroying people with his farts. And people would be like, this is a place of work. And he would just like blend. This is one guy's like, you know what? It smells like burning tires. And like that made me, it made me laugh because, you know, I'm still yeah. a child and like dick and fart jokes always. <laughs> but so. you wait, you'll see, uh, you know, this uh, a dick photography business in Bushwick somewhere in New York, you know, probably in like next week. Bush is a Bushwick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just call it bush wick because like a, a dick could be like very similar to like a, a wick so it's like you know you're encompassing all markets right there <laughs> you just you just got it i would be very impressed if someone runs with this idea <clears throat> i would not be a customer because like i just you know i don't i've lived with it for like 40 years i know what it looks like i don't need to see more of it um, yeah, bush dick, exactly. Yeah, bush, I, I like bush, that. Perfect. It's, you know, bushes and dicks. It doesn't have to just be swinging dicks, right? Bush pick. <laughs> I like that one, too. <laughs> you can just make some sure straight out of bush dick. <laughs> anyway, so, well, uh, make this was, now. <clears throat> yeah, it was great chat with you guys. Um, it's um, very late here on the East Coast, uh, 120. Um, and I gotta get into oh, yeah, the shop. Shit. I love yeah. it there. Well, thank you guys for for joining me on this impromptu um, New Year's uh, business. Um, you know, looking forward to seeing everyone in 2022. And um, straight out of push stick. Um, <laughs> you know, thank you guys for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. And um, you know, stay safe out there. Um, don't uh, don't get the Omicron. Don't be a dick. And uh, here I'll do. I'll, I have an outro song now too. So yeah, let's... I'm, I'm gonna throw that one on, and we'll wrap this up. So you know, thanks. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me. This is done by my uh, my buddy Mocha Only, who's a rapper here in Vancouver. So big thanks to him. Uh, you know, get your Bush Dick merch from the Instagram 2022. It's gonna be dropping hot. <laughs> so Thanks I appreciate you guys. Really appreciate it. Oh. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys too. And you know, have a happy new year and uh you know all the best to everyone. So yeah. cheers everyone. Bye. All right.